pray that um, as we're here and, and we gather together that um, uh, your power uh, may be evident in us, God, that we may feel your presence um, and that, God, uh, your, your spirit may, may work in our lives God, and that um, uh, as we come and uh, put ourselves before you and petition, um, put our petitions before you, God, uh, we know that, that you will hear and you will respond. We ask all this in your name. Amen. We are in Psalm 22 this evening, so you can turn uh, to that psalm. Before we read the psalm, I just want to let you know that um, uh, in this passage we will read um, a psalm of David, and in this, David is going to start um, feeling very much abandoned um, by God. And um, as we read the psalm, um, I want you to um, also be attuned um, to the aspects of uh, Jesus' crucifixion uh, that um, you see in this psalm. Um, As we'll see with the psalm, it's very much a a prophetic element um, that looks ahead to uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. And so as we um, are reading that this this evening, I do want you to, um, I do want those moments as you see it to say, oh, yes. And uh, we'll come back through and um, talk about this looking ahead to Jesus that we see here, uh, but then also talking about the abandonment that David feels. Let me read Psalm 22 for us. Oh, yes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night... But I find no rest, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who takes me from the womb, and you made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joy. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompassed me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones, and they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. 
You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him. And he has heard. And when he cried to him. From you come my praise in the great congregation. My woes I will perform those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all those who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. So we begin, wants to take a look at the responses to feeling forsaken by God. Uh, this, this passage it opens up there in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as we look at the, um, uh, this feeling of being forsaken, the responses, um, we're going to, to see three things. And um, uh, three words to help us out as we move along is going to be up, down, and out. So if you can remember those words, remember forsaken, you might remember something from this as you look back. So up, down, and out. Uh, first thing that we see in the responses to feeling forsaken, the idea of up, that is the recognition of holiness that comes in verse 3. Uh, holiness is the idea of otherness. And in recognizing God's holiness and recognizing the otherness of God, it moves our gaze up. And we are able to see um, that God is distinct from us. God is different than us. And in seeing this otherness, this holiness of God, uh, we see that it develops trust on the part of the psalmist. Um, in fact, um, in verses 4 and 5, uh, the word trust is mentioned um, three times. The idea of developing this trust in God. So despite being forsaken and recognizing this holiness of God, um, there is a trust that comes. And the reason the trust comes is because God is holy. God is set apart from us. God is distinct. Next response that we see to being forsaken by God. We've seen up, and now we have seen, now we're going to look at down. So the idea of down is that when we are feeling forsaken, and notice that I use the term feeling because we're not actually forsaken by God. We just feel forsaken by God. But when we um, feel forsaken by God, um, we, we're ba- better able to understand the depth of God's character. Not necessarily the breadth of God's character, which we can still gain from the, the gaining of information and expanding our knowledge, but understanding the depth of God's character and increasing the depth um, of that relationship, uh, especially as it comes um, into the idea of deliverance, of understanding who God is as someone who delivers. Uh, the, the psalmist, um, uh, after presenting this very dire situation and this feeling of forsaken, uh, there in verse 21 says, Save me from the mouth of the lion. So in the midst of this, this, this great feeling of forsaken, 
And seeing these pursuers around him, the psalmist says, save me from the mouth of a lion. I want you to just take a moment and kind of have that imagery sink in. Can you imagine being hunted by a lion? What would that feel like? Have you, have you been to the zoo and you, and you perhaps see the lion? And I always marvel at just how big that is. And maybe it's passages like this, but sometimes when I go to the zoo and I see the lion, I think, wow, what would I do if that thing was hunting me? That would not be good. Right? The, lion, the lion would win because the lion is so much more powerful. I have no hope. So there is David, and this feeling um, uh, of being hunted, he screams out to God, save me, save me. Um, And um, in doing so, he is able to understand God's character greater. Because from the feeling of being hunted, from the feeling of that peril that takes place there, the idea that his life is truly held in the balance, um, he recognizes that God is the one who delivers. And out of the great depth of despair, God's deliverance seems ever more greater. So, as we've looked at the idea of being forsaken, that up, recognizing the holiness, the down, recognizing the depth of character, there's also the out, as in the out of. In other words, we are able um, to see um, that God is able to rescue us out and so one of the things that um, we see is that in, in, um, uh, we see that God has been able to rescue us out. So there in verse 21, what we have is that uh, David, the psalmist, in experiencing that rescue says, You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. And so in recognizing how God has delivered him out of the situation, the psalmist is then able to move into a time of extended praise and a time of recognizing who God is. So the joy that the psalmist experiences at the rescue really hinges on the direness of the situation that the psalm finds him in. In the greater depth of being forsaken, there's a greater understanding out of which he's been delivered and greater recognition for God and greater gratitude for God. Now, one of the things that we we encounter is that some people, um, when they feel forsaken by God, uh, they respond by forsaking God. And perhaps in your own life, there there are people you know, or perhaps in your own life, there are seasons um, within your own life in which you've looked and experienced this idea of, wow, I felt forsaken. And as a result, the person... Or perhaps you have turned your away from God for, for, for that moment. And the thing that um, uh, this approach fails to realize is the true holiness of God. The otherness of God. God is not like us. God is distinct. God is holy. God is set apart. God is perfect. And we are not. But when people feel forsaken by God and respond by forsaking God... This reflects what I would describe as a quid pro quo approach to our relationship with God. The idea of a quid pro quo is a this for that. You do this and I do that. It's kind of a bit of a contract. And that works out well with the repair um, individual who comes to your house. And you say, I give you this amount of sum and you repair this object for me. With God, quid pro quo 
is not appropriate. Because we don't do things for God so that God will do things back. Um, And this quid pro pro approach, what it actually does is reveal that our desire to serve God was self-serving, not God-serving. Because when we focus upon serving God alone, then we're not doing things for God so that we get something back. Now I want us to take a look and um, look at this psalm as it parallels the story of Jesus on the cross. So there are a number of references that um, as we look at this account, we will see um, that are fulfilled um, when Jesus is put upon the cross in his time of crucifixion. We're just going to work through uh, five of those that, um, as I was looking at it, I was able to see um, five that just came very easily uh, of looking towards that. Um, the first that we're going to see is um, in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are the exact words of Jesus when he was on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One of the things I want us to know is that while we might feel forsaken by God, we are not. Jesus, however, was forsaken by God. God did turn his back upon Jesus. And when we think of the horror of the cross, and certainly there are physical elements that were terrible, simply the nature of a brutal crucifixion, a brutal execution. Jesus being forsaken by God, I think is the most haunting part of that crucifixion. When Jesus, who has had perfect fellowship with God, from eternity past to eternity future, but there for that moment, and God is not there. His Father is not there. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was truly forsaken by God. But because Jesus was forsaken by God, we never need to be. Because Jesus was able to stand before God and God turned away from him so that we might have perfect relationship with God. So that we might have that um, relationship with God that continues on. Verse 7. Another reflection towards the crucifixion. It says, all who see me mock me. And as you read the story of, of um, Jesus um, uh, during those, that final day, we see that um, people um, ruthlessly mocked him. The next thing I want us to see, the third, uh, is when the mockers say here, and the psalmist uh, records in verse 8, Here is that the mockers, uh, as the David the psalmist writes, but we'll see it's exactly what Jesus experienced. And the the mockers say, he trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Now I'm going to read a a passage to you from uh, uh, Matthew 27, 43, um, which is said to Jesus as he is on the cross. He trusts in God, let God deliver him now, if he desires him. Word for word. Fourth thing, verse 16 says, They have pierced my hands and feet. And the very nature of the crucifixion is that they pierce a person's hands and feet. Fifth thing I want you to see as we look uh, once again at how this um, uh, psalm uh, parallels um, the story of Jesus on the cross. There in verse 18, um, the psalmist writes that they divide my garments among them. 
And for my clothing, they cast lots. And once again, we find uh, that exact thing happening to Jesus. Um, There in Matthew 27 again, verse 35. And when they had crucified him, they divided his, that being Jesus, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. So as we see with the psalm, we we certainly see this look towards um, Jesus uh, being upon the cross. But um, as, as we are reminded, Jesus went to the cross not because of his own sin, but because of ours. And he has taken our sin upon himself. And he has experienced being forsaken by God so that we do not have to. And the, the resurrection that Jesus had is because the grave had no power over him. Death came upon him, but death looked upon his sinless life and had no claim. And just as us, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we choose to follow him, uh, likewise, we have the power over death, the power to live life eternally. As we come to conclusion, so while we may feel forsaken, as the psalmist did, or perhaps in the, uh, the person of Jesus, um, this person who is truly forsaken by God, there is a purpose to it all. And in verse 27 and 28 of this psalm, we see the purpose, purpose um, being brought there. Let me read verses 27 and 28 for us. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. There is a time. When all things will be brought under God's control. And the sin that ravages this world will ultimately be defeated. There is a time that we can look forward to. When the culmination of all things and life eternally begins with God. A life of perfection. A life without sin. No sorrow. No crying. As it's described when the former things have passed away. So perhaps that means for a season we might feel forsaken by God. But for the ultimate purpose, God has a plan. God has a plan. And we may not understand that plan. Maybe like Jesus, we do understand the plan, but it still hurts. We see that all things work for a purpose for God. And so that all may turn to God. And that we may worship God. Because God is ultimately king, as verse 28 says. And he rules over the nations. Let me pray for us. God, we do come before you and are grateful for the great saving act of your son, Jesus. Uh, God, who who gave his life so that we might have perfect fellowship with you. Uh, God, I just pray for us who are here um, that the the importance of that event, God, will not um, uh, slip past us. um, That we will be reminded of your great sacrifice, God. Um, a sacrifice so that um, uh, we might have uh, a complete and restored relationship with you. God, we ask um, this evening now, as we move into a time of prayer and singing, that um, we would just continue to put our, our minds and our hearts and our souls before you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.